What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch from Real Ones, and I have some big news to share. On Saturday, February 18th, the Ringer NBA show will be hitting the road for All-Star Weekend for a live show in Salt Lake City. You heard that right. We are taping the pod in front of a live audience in Salt Lake next month, and we want you to join us. Pull up on us at the Stateroom in the heart of downtown Salt Lake. You can grab your tickets now at thestateroom.com. That's thestateroom.com. Doors open at 9 o'clock. Show is at 10. It's going to be a 21 and up event. Come hang with the gang and chat. Mid-season updates, draft preview, and even have a Q&A with us. Space is limited, so grab your tickets while they last at thestateroom.com or click the link in the description of this show. Hope to see y'all in there. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Comment, Kevin Or to quote your daughter on the broadcast the other night. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. We have so much to get to. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, the deal went down since we have last spoken. I think we were all taken by surprise that it was the Mavericks and the return. Just look, you know that he has requested a trade, but you figure this is something that's going to drag out until the trade deadline. We had talked about the Mavericks. We talked about the Lakers. We talked about some other teams um, as possible Kyrie destinations, but it becomes official as of our recording on Monday night. uh, Kyrie Irving to the Mavs for Spencer Dinwiddie. Dorian Finney-Smith, 2029 first-round pick and two second-round picks, one in 2027 and one in 2029. All right, it is official. Kyrie Irving is a Dallas Maverick. So uh, first things first, what do you think when you saw the deal, the return, and started thinking about Kyrie as a Maverick? My main thought for the from the Dallas side of things is increases their ceiling now, increases the potential of this all imploding, and Luca at some point over the next three four years demanding a trade, and Dallas going to the toilet at the bottom of the league in the NBA. So I think for you know for years now, people around the NBA have talked about Luca as a threat to go to a Miami or a New York or an LA, a big market that definitely increases the risk of that. 
However, if you're the Mavericks at this point, dealing for Kyrie Irving, as risky as it might be, as desperate as it might feel, despite the fact he's blown up the Nets, the Celtics, and the Cavs as he's walked out the door and it's been ugly, and he quit on his teammates in Boston, and he didn't talk to his teammates for three weeks in Cleveland during the playoffs, and he abruptly demanded a trade here with the Nets. Despite all that, he is a brilliant offensive player. And on paper, him and Luka together, they're going to be really hard to stop. But the big question here, though, Chris, is Kyrie has never played with somebody. He played with KD. He played with Tatum in Boston. He played with LeBron. He's never played with somebody that's had the usage of Luka. Luka is at a different stratosphere. 39% usage percentage is on another level from all of those other superstars. So Luka... He's going to have to sacrifice more than ever before to accommodate Kyrie Irving at the level he was performing with Brooklyn. But Kyrie also may have to sacrifice more than ever before, too. So I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see the chemistry of these two guys because on paper, they could be brilliant offensively. But like, will it work actually in practice? That's my big question here. I got to be honest. My concerns are not basketball ones, honestly, when it comes to Luka and Kyrie. Is it everything else I said? It's all that other stuff? because of the way they play. And Kyrie was a great fit with LeBron. And in that way, I could see it working with Luka. The idea that Luka is able to, much like LeBron did once upon a time, be able to take possessions off, be able to rest a little bit more, on the bench, uh, have someone else initiate the offense um, for maybe several possessions in a row, or maybe he's able to sit out a game that they don't lose now because they're (laughs) 0-7 every time he doesn't play. Um, And he's a great shooter. This guy is a shot maker. And so playing off, uh, playing off the ball, uh, this guy can, he's a, he's a great, great one to throw it out to and be able to knock down shots. And Luca creates open shots for guys, much like LeBron does. I mean, I could see it being a really good basketball fit offensively and that they would be dynamite offensively. But don't you agree the, sa- the sacrifice? Don't you agree there, though, with the sacrifice? Yeah, but he's going to, he has to. It's unsustainable, Kevin. You can't have a thirty-eight point five, yeah, usage rate. Yeah, that's not. You're not going to be able to win like that. You're just not. He's going to gas out completely. I mean, this whether it's Kyrie or somebody else, that was a problem that had to be solved. Yeah, but did he do it with Brunson? I mean, not really. Not really. Well, that's, he was one, that's out. one of the he was, that's one he's of the reasons why the playoffs games too. I, I know, but that's one of the reasons why Dallas didn't pay Brunson is because they're like, well, I mean, can we really pay him considering the usage he has next to Luca? The answer was for them, no, right or wrong. Well, look, Brunson in their mind, and he's a guy that they didn't even give sixty million dollars to. He was a second round pick for that team. In retrospect, total catastrophe that led them to this point. Yeah, but. He is not nearly and was not nearly as accomplished as this guy. Not at all. So no. <laughs> it's a different deal. And I do think that, you know, Luca getting help offensively. My, my concerns are all 
off the court stuff. It's locker room stuff. It's off the court stuff. It's all the stuff that you mentioned with you just don't know. It's not a guy that you've been able to count on. Can't trust him. Yeah. I mean, it's like you can watch a hot girl get married, (laughs) divorced, and burn down the house three different times, but there's somebody that's like, you know, she's hot. <laughs> you know, it, it's Kyrie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is real. It really is Kyrie. There, it is. You know, it's the like, truth. Didn't you see? Didn't you see her? Like, didn't didn't you see her run out on everybody and burn their house down? Like, yeah, I saw it, but man, she's hot. <laughs> that's kind. It's kind of the deal here. And Kyrie's Ky- one of the Kyrie's one of the hottest scorers of all time. There's no I mean, question. He's unbelievable. Tantalizing. Yes. Tantalizing talent. <laughs> I, I could not believe. I saw um, our buddy Tom Haberstrow posted, like, the finale of Kyrie Irving's time in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving played in 143 of 278 regular season games of his Brooklyn Nets tenure. 51% of games. Wow. Bare, barely half. KD and Kyrie played 74 of a wow. possible 206 after KD returned from an Achilles wow. injury. KD, Kyrie, and Harden played 10 games. KD, Kyrie, and Simmons played 24 games. Unbelievable. I mean, that is unbelievable, as you said. I, I don't know what my guess would have been as to how many games KD, Kyrie, and Harden played together, but it wouldn't have been 10. And I don't know what my guess would have been on KD, Kyrie, and Simmons, but it wouldn't have been 24. I would have been over on both of those. And I sure wouldn't have said 74 of 206 games since KD came back from the Achilles. They only played 74 games since KD's come back? Crazy to think about. In the in that context, and so unfulfilled potential, Chris. Unfulfilled. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that whole the whole Brooklyn thing obviously is going to be remembered as uh, a huge what if, um, in many different ways. That being said, Dallas wasn't going anywhere with their team, Kevin. I, you know, it's a risk, and it's a big risk, and it's something that you and I talked about. A couple of weeks ago, and this was not in reference to maybe a Kyrie move. This was in reference to a Mark Cuban move. And we kind of talked about how sore he got over that mural, the Get Luca Hell oh, yeah, yeah, mural yeah. and contacting the artist and everything. And and then snapping back when Tim McMahon like wrote this. Highly very, respected Tim McMahon. Yeah, but, but Tim McMahon wrote this like, very non-controversial Luca, you know, has nudged people that he would like help. And it's like, I don't know. It's it's kind of like, it felt like they're so sore about the Brunson thing and so sensitive about the idea of Luca and them not building around him properly that now this is this is what you get. It's like 
all right, now that's a big risk that they're taking. And it is kind of funny. We do this with every every team he goes to. When I'm reading the quotes from Jason Kidd tonight, we have a relationship. He's all about basketball. He wants to win. He wants to be coached. This is a great opportunity for me, <laughs> like all this stuff. You know, oh, Kyrie went to his, you know, was a huge fan of him growing up and wanted to go to his Hall of Fame induction and was able to secure a ticket. And it's like, and then he's got this great relationship with Nico, uh, who was with Nike when he was there. And Nico's buddies with the stepmom. And it's like, everything's always peachy at the beginning, right? Always. Like, it's peachy in the middle, too. We're never worried about the beginning. Chris, it's always peachy in the middle, too. Yeah. Said he's going to resign in Cleveland. He's not leaving Cleveland, not leaving yep. Boston, not leaving Brooklyn. Here we are. He's in Dallas. Yeah. And so let, well, let's talk about the other side. I will say. Well, wait, wait. Large, one, yeah. one, one more thing on Dallas, Chris. We kind of okay. glossed over their defense. How much do you think that matters in the Western Conference? How weak their defense is right now with Luka and Kyrie and no Dorian Finney-Smith anymore? I think it matters. But they stunk defensively already, and I think their offense is what's going to win them games. It's, that's what it has to be. They're going like, to be able to outscore you. They're leaning into what they do best. Yeah, they're going to be able to. They're going to have to outscore you, and I think that you've now much better equipped to outscore you than they were before. If it works as well as it seems like it could on paper. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, they're not that good. No. <laughs> so, I mean, what are we doing anyway? They weren't. They weren't going anywhere. They're not better than they were last year. This is an enormous risk, though. It is. It's an enormous risk, but I mean, you're always one that's like, when teams are around 500, you prefer they go the other way. No, that's not true. Don't. We're going to talk about other 500 don't, teams don't that can go like the, the other way. Stuff from seven years ago, Chris. No, but that's what they're at. They're a yeah. middle of the road team right now. They're a 500 basketball team. Yes, and they have one of the top five players of basketball. They they should be doing everything they can to win with him. It's just for Kyrie. Like this is a this is a massive risk. It's a big risk. There's no way around it. Turn every Thursday into payday with TNT Thursdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. FanDuel is giving all customers $10 in bonus bets every Thursday. Just bet a $10 or more same-game parlay on any NBA on TNT game. Same-game parlays let you combine the money line, point spread, player props, and more all into one wager. So start building your own or just bet a popular SGP already made for you in America's number one sportsbook. And win or lose, you'll get guaranteed $10 added to your account. If you're new to FanDuel, just sign up using the promo code MISMATCH and you'll get $10 back every Thursday, win or lose, with TNT Thursdays exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, visit ccpg.org forward slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, the first-round pick, the two seconds. I'm surprised the Nets got that much, honestly. I am. But Sean Marks, at least, look, that whole thing's been a disaster in Brooklyn in terms of results. 
Uh, they won, I think, seven playoff games total. Um, it would never worked out like they thought it was going to work out at all. But, you know, this season we have done pods about it. Are we going to watch Kyrie Irving play basketball again? Like, there was a real discussion when he was given like a list of six things, seven things he needed to do <laughs> in order yeah. to be able yeah. to become a part of the Brooklyn Nets organization again. Yeah, that, that, that was a thing. We had Not- a real discussion of like, bro, he ain't doing this. Like, he just made just leave. And that was like a plausible thing that could happen. Like, it wasn't an outlandish conversation. He might be the only player that that's true of, that we could foresee a circumstance where a team sells, tells you, you need to do a bunch of stuff because you've acted wrong. And one of the options, and possibly a likely one, is him just saying, you know what, no, and also I'm done with basketball. Like, he might be the only guy that we would not be surprised if that took place. And so the idea that you got like, you know, he came back, played great. He's been great this year, starting the All-Star game. Nets were on an absolute tear with KD um, when he was healthy. Worked their way all the way up to the 2C. We're sitting here talking about, hey, now, if they're able to augment this a little bit, they're pretty devastating right now. This is a shot-making team. They've got good chemistry. Jacques Vaughn's doing good. All this stuff. And it's like, we look up, KD gets hurt. You know, the record wasn't horrendous without him. And it's like, all right, can't get a contract extension. Which, by the way, he was offered at one point. They were all offered contract extensions. KD's the only one that took it. And so now, being rather unreliable, of course, they're not ready to just sign a document immediately. And he says, I want, I want out. He was on a good basketball team. They were really good when KD was healthy. But he repaired all of that off the court stuff. And the idea that we were talking about, this guy may like, who knows how long he's not going to be playing basketball in the span of a couple of months with some great play and on a team that posted a great record and just restored value completely. Because it sounds like there were people, you know, negotiating against each other for this. And that's kind of why they were able to get this. But they got good role players and they got some good assets. Yeah, I mean, Spencer did witty. He's a legitimate 20 point per game level score, uh, bigger than Kyrie, obviously, six foot five, you know, and Dorian Finney Smith. He's not quite his prime, you know, self on defense anymore, but he's still very good on the defensive end. He's versatile. He's a good shooter. So I think for for Brook for Brooklyn here, yes, you lose the best player in the deal. But you add a really good 3 and D guy. You have so much depth there right now. You also, by losing Kyrie, obviously Dinwiddie's important here. But I think their guard depth here, Seth Curry is a veteran who's still a very good player. But Cam Thomas, anytime he's been provided opportunity going back to his rookie season last year, as a rookie, 
in 13 games. When he played over 20 minutes, he averaged 16 points per game. In 13 games now, this season, his second year, he had 47 points tonight for the Nets, 44 points on Saturday against the Wizards, 19 the game before, 21 the game before. In the 13 games he's played over 20 minutes per game this year, he's averaging 21 points per game. So over two years, you know, 26 games, averaging about 19 points per game on great efficiency this season as a sophomore. I I was very high on Cam Thomas in the draft. I had him ranked 11th. He ended up going 27th in the draft to Brooklyn. You cannot underrate these other players, the Vets, Seth Curry, obviously getting Dinwiddie, but also the young guys like Cam Thomas filling that guard role that is, you know, left unoccupied by Kyrie Irving when considering how they would, what, what the needs of Kevin Durant are as a contending team. And plus, they're not done this week. They're trying to make other moves. You know, like I reported on, on Sunday in my article that they have interest in Pascal Siakam. Mark Stein re- reiterated that today. He said they also like Fred Van Vliet. There's still other moves for Brooklyn to make. They're not done this week. But I think for Brooklyn here, you can't underrate their other guards here when it comes to replenishing what you lose with Kyrie Irving. Getting Dorian Finney-Smith and that extra pick in 2029 from Dallas, plus two seconds, it's really good value for Kyrie Irving considering the circumstances. I know you have like Cam Thomas. I remember you and I talking about him during Summer League a lot a few years ago. Um, the guy is a bucket. He's always been a bucket. Remember, I remember, because I remember when we did the show and he was an Oak Hill kid, I believe. And I remember talking about him being like the all-time leading scorer there. And they have had so many kids go to that prep school. Like, if you're the all-time leading scorer there, and then he went into LSU and was a bona fide bucket at LSU. I mean, this guy has been a scorer, a real hardcore scorer from high school to college. And then he got super sideways with Nash. That's why we ended up talking about it. Because you remember, even during Summer League, he said all that weird stuff about, he like rolled his eyes when they were asking about (laughs) Nash trying to pass the ball or whatever. Look, I don't know how much of a playmaker he's going to be. I don't know what else he's going to bring to the table. But I know this, that guy can score. He's always been able to score. And obviously, look, he's getting his opportunity and you put him out there and he gets 47 tonight. In a game? Come on. After 44 on Saturday. Right. And, 91. And, 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 and like I said, even if you remove these two games, the 47 and the 44-point game, if you look at all the other games in which he's played over 20 minutes, the other 24 of them, he scored the ball well. When this guy gets opportunity, he produces. So I think for the Nets here, that that's just a variable to consider. You can say it's a small sample. You can say he's going to flame out. Sure. Do your thing. But what I see with Cam Thomas is a guy that has extended his range from the mid-range like he was in high school in LSU to behind the arc. That's what's happened, and it's opening up everything for him. And I'm buying Cam Thomas stock right now. I'm buying, buying, buying with the Nets here. And I think I would I would be willing to bet that at least factored into their thought process here and taking the return that they did, that they did for Kyrie Irving when they did. Because the Nets want to win a championship still. Their intentions this week are to build a better team around Kevin Durant and exit the week with a better roster than they entered it. That's what they want to be this week. So whether they can accomplish that or not remains to be seen. You could make the argument, as I did in my article on Sunday on The Ringer, that they are better after this deal, because I'm very high on what Finney Smith and Dinwiddie offer to them 
considering the KD, you know, roster and what that type of team demands. But it's part of that equation is Cam Thomas as well. Yeah, two things on that. Uh, on the Finney Smith front, Finney Smith shot 42% on threes. I went and looked this up. 175 playoff attempts. You know, and he's he's getting the big assignment on the other side where he's got to yeah. chase somebody around. And a 42% from three in the playoffs, that's real. That's a real number at a high attempts. And so... I, I like that you earlier. cite that, by the way, Chris. I like that you do because a lot of guys, they see their numbers go down in the playoffs. Right. 42 is a real number yeah. on, on a good number of attempts. And on the Thomas front, I went and looked it up as we're talking about this. As a senior at Oak Hill, Thomas averaged 31.5 points, six rebounds, three assists a game, leaving the program as the all-time's leading scorer. I knew I remembered that. It was Oak Hill. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of NBA guys that have come from there. I mean, that's where Rod Strickland went back in the day. It's also uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Josh Smith, Rondo, Carmelo Anthony, Ron Mercer. You may have heard of some of these guys. Like, that's a basketball factory. You leave there as the all-time leading scorer, you've done something. <laughs> you have done something. And now he's gotten his opportunity, as you mentioned, what, 91? In the last two games, I mean that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to have ninety-one. It's wild. It's wild. Two and, games. and even even if like those numbers end up, you know, falling for him, and, and he goes back to you know getting DNPs off the bench, Dinwiddie's a good player, and, and like he's not like the Mavericks' offense this year when it was Dinwiddie on, Luca off, they did not produce. But as we've talked about all year long with that Dallas roster, it it is not great. He does not getting a lot of support. Luca didn't get a ton of support. The Dallas offense was because of Luca. <laughs> like their success was because of Luca. No question. And so I, I think judging Didwitty in that context versus what Brooklyn provides, which is uh, a host of quality guards, a bunch of great forwards and three and D guys. You know, Nick Claxton at center, a great roller, a great connector as a passer. The Brooklyn ecosystem for a guard or any any lead ball handler is so far superior than what Dallas had, which is why Luca's usage is, is at thirty nine percent. It had to be for them to have success. And so for the for the Brooklyn side, I like the Dinwiddie fit with what he can provide. He's been shooting over forty percent on catch and shoot threes. He's improved, become a consistent shooter. He's a good downhill attacker, and he's also a connector himself. He makes quick decisions. He doesn't need to stop the ball, and he's six foot five. Provides some size on defense. So. I think for Brooklyn here, yes, you lose the best player in the deal, but what you gain with those two guys, Finney Smith, Dinwiddie, and then the 2029 firsts, the 27 and the 29 seconds, we'll see if they can finagle those into a deal this week for more upgrades. That remains to be seen, um, or whether they bank them. But after losing all your picks to Houston in the future, it's nice to add that draft equity moving forward anyway. I have not sensed that Mavs fans are excited about this at all. Not at all. Every Mavs fan I've spoken to is like, I don't really want to watch. I feel like this is going to ruin everything. All of them are pessimistic about it right now. Which is stunning. I know, because it's, you know, from a a purely from a basketball standpoint, you get one of the most brilliant offensive creators in recent years in Kyrie Irving. It's just all of that other stuff needs to be factored in. People don't want to root for him, too. Yeah, they don't want to root for him. And, and also, it's just the type of thing where I think Mavericks fans, like, we didn't talk a lot about their defense. Mavs fans have watched that team get shredded this year, dude. And, doesn't, and, it, doesn't it now, uh, I'm going to play off of that, doesn't it now seem inevitable 
that they're going to move Christian Wood. And so we'll this, see what the week, next. Yeah, this week I, I've I've checked in with some sources about that after it was reported that Dallas had offered him in packages to Brooklyn. Um, I've been told that that likelihood is less than it was, you know, prior to the deal with Kyrie. Uh, because with Kyrie, like he was part of those packages, it seems like there might not be something at this particular moment as of recording Monday evening. We'll see if something shakes out during the week. I just think if you're not, you know, you know, they've had discussions with him. Yeah. And so if you're but not going to resign though? him, if you're not, well, at least something. I know, I know, I know, but at like least you're something. To, but you're trying to win a championship, and Christian Wood has been awesome as a as a screener for Luca this year. He's but been you a great know, weapon. you can't have those three out on the court. Once yeah. you've done your deal for Kyrie, but you who, can't but, have those three. Yeah, Chris, but who are you going to get? The center market is so light right now. Yeah. Who like who's the replacement? That's my question. I, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm unsure. I think we're, we're only looking at it. I'm only looking at it from Dallas's perspective. Are we going to lose another asset for? Nothing? Are you going to go get Aiton? How about DeAndre Aiton? I mean. Whether it's just the two teams, Phoenix and Dallas, or whether it's some three way, four way, you know. I mean, are you trying to get are you are you trying to are you trying to get Luca to lose his mind? <laughs> you trying no, to drive I'm, I'm him just, crazy? I'm just thinking like who's the best center that could be, you know, potentially acquired on deadline day. Well, I mean, honestly, Kevin, you're probably just looking for role players. How about, anyway. go, how about go get Rudy Gobert from Minnesota? I'm well, not I think you're I think you're not kidding. I think you're just looking for role players. You've got your stars. It's not anybody that's going to take any shots. Nurkic from Portland? I don't think so. I mean, Pirtle? Pirtle from San Antonio? I'd look around and try to flank with role players. And if Christian, again, I, defensively, you can't have those three out there together. Well, I mean, I just don't know who you're I mean, you could have. You could have. You could have Gary Payton and Dennis Rodman flanking them, and it wouldn't matter. I mean, you can't have those three. Yeah, I, I just, okay. I mean, look, I, like Christian was a better defender than he was in the past, but he's still not like, he's not stopping Jokic, right? I mean, he's not battling Steven Adams in the paint when it comes to on the board. So, I mean, if you're Dallas, that's where I have concern. Like, like what what matchup are you actually going to have the pieces to stop right. these perimeter guys or these interior forces? All right, I'll give, I'm going to give you a name because Stein mentioned this in one of his articles. He said the Clippers want Christian Wood. Okay, so for who? Zubats? That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, we could go look through their we can go through, look through their roster and find out who you would uh, who you would want from there. Yeah, and he who, who uh, what was the other name? He said the uh, the Clippers also like D'Lo, right? D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell as well, which was shocking. Yeah, even though he's been great over the course of the last. Oh, he's month. been he's been excellent. He's been great. So I mean, he has certainly upped his trade value, if that is something, but. You know, and you know the Clippers, you know, they're having conversations about Kennard moving him somewhere as a name that's out there. I don't think that that's necessarily, um, I mean, hell, you'd get a lot of open threes if you're playing for Dallas. But again, defensively, if I'm, I'm looking, I'm sitting there going, if I'm not, I just lost Brunson and got nothing to show for it. I don't want to do this with Christian Wood also. At least I can get, if I'm not going to have him long term, at least I could go try to find something. Even if it's not as good a players, it's something that I've got under wraps or somebody under contract for a little while, even if it's role players, because I'm just going to need role players anyway. I got to find somebody that doesn't care about what their points per game is. 
or how many shots they're going to be taking because there ain't going to be many of those to go around, Kevin. They're getting spot up threes and rolls to the basket. That's about where we're at. That's going to be the interesting thing for Christian Wood here. I mean, now he's going to be paired with Luka and Kyrie in the pick and roll. That that It should be beneficial for him, in my opinion. How much does your opinion change on the Mavs? How much does your opinion change on the Nets in terms of what they are capable of? I, I think the Nets deserve an incomplete right now. I, I think okay. we have to give it till Thursday night when we record our show after the deadline um, sure. to really give them a grade because they're not done trying to make moves. They're talking with Toronto. They're talking with other teams. They're trying to make improvements. With Dallas, it feels less likely that they have another big move coming. I mean, they could, you know, but like the lack of, lack of draft capital, the lack of assets, uh, it just seems less likely it'll be anything that moves the needle. I think yeah, they how, made, how much could Wood even get you back, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they made the right decision purely from a basketball standpoint in doing this. It raises their ceiling for the 2023 playoffs. But I mean, uh, I think that long term risk is probably outweighs short-term reward here, in my opinion. Do we believe the Phoenix deal? Phoenix, um, you know, this whole Chris Paul, Jay Crowder picks, like, that gets leaked out there after Kyrie is already traded to the Mavericks. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell? Like, man, that is, that's dirty pool to me. Like, if we talked about it, if we had a discussion about it, like, that that leaking out is no good for well, anyone. Isn't, well, isn't that interesting? It came first from Chris Haynes, and then it came from Sham Sharani. And so multiple people reported it. You know, two highly trusted reporters reporters put it out there. So I, I wonder I wonder the level of seriousness. I wonder the intentions behind Phoenix. And something to keep in mind here when it comes to that is James Jones and Chris Paul are incredibly tight. Like, those guys are like this. So let's say that offer is genuine, and let's say the Suns were serious. That I would assume that would mean that James Jones and Chris Paul were having conversations about what Chris Paul wants. Could this be a sign that Chris Paul is open to a move out of Phoenix, that he, that it could be something that he even prefers? That was the thought on my mind. This is, a, this is a thought not based on any sourcing or any conversations I've had, just to be clear. But it, it is what sparked the thought on my mind only because of how close Jones and, and Paul are. I understand why Brooklyn would do that. You'd say, look, we ain't got more time with this KD thing. We just... We just got past him the, a summer where he wanted not everybody fired and wanted out. Okay. So we got to try to win a title now. Like, and if it means we get Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, those are win this year players. Is it the best thing for our future? No. Is our, is it, I, so I could understand on Brooklyn side why you would do that as to appease Kevin Durant, your best player on your team. And to say, look, we're we're giving up Kyrie, but we're at least we're going to get some win now guys and try to put the best roster of veteran, battle tested guys that we can. And this is the way we can do it. And if we can get this for Kyrie, then we're going to do it. I totally understand that. I don't understand what the hell Phoenix was thinking. What? Well, that's what I'm saying, Chris. I, I get that's what, it. That's what I'm saying. Like, but you're still, but, but Kevin, that's, that's, I get it with the, you ain't, 
You ain't screwing up your franchise, though, because you want to do right by Chris Paul. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you got Devin Booker there still. I mean, you got Booker and Aiton. And what, like, I mean, you're gonna... it, well, that, that that's like, well, it could be multiple things. Like, he is 37 years old. He turns 38 in a couple of months. That That could be part of it. I get it, but you want to bring Kyrie into that? I know. Talk <laughs> I mean, about talk about a risk. Well, the other thing is, for as poorly as Chris has played this year, he also helped establish a real culture there that turned them into the number one team in the Western Conference. And he's been much better, too. He has well, been much better in recent weeks. And he's a bona fide leader who can run a locker room. And that guy and and has a real voice and that people look up to. The other guy just might not show up or might not even talk to you for two weeks at a time. And that's what you're gonna like, no, dude. I just uh, that didn't make any sense to me. That being said, they're saying this uh Matt Ishbia, who is the new owner for the Phoenix Suns, and you and I have talked about this a lot, he's taking over this week. I would be shocked if they are not involved in the trade deadline and moves. It's just what we know about when guys get, you know, it's a new owner thing. It's a new GM thing. Those are usually the ones that are very, very motivated to change over rosters to, you know, uh, they, they're saying that James Jones is GMing for his job. Um, we got the same kind of deal where we've talked about it in Atlanta with Landry Fields, you know, on the fly being implemented as the decision maker and whether that's John Collins or whether that's maybe even bigger stuff. I mean, those are two to really look at that could swing things in this trade market because of their circumstance in management. And so Phoenix being involved in a bunch of these talks is not surprising to me. Don't you figure they're going to do something? They get Booker back tomorrow night, I think. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. The, the Chris Paul variable is fascinating, though. I just don't understand why you would move, uh, for, for, again, why you would bring Kyrie in if you're them. That just like, a, like, like, I said, like I said, James Jones and Chris Paul are tight. So I, I, I just wonder. So James Jones says, I'm getting fired anyway. Might as well. <laughs> I, I, I just wonder. Yeah. I, I, I wonder about like what are the motivations behind that? Because I agree with you, Chris, but for Kyrie, well, yeah. Well, maybe that's maybe that's where their level of concern is with him potentially wanting out at some point or whatever it might be. Um, but maybe they know something with his injury risk at thirty-eight years old. Maybe they, they, he has a non-guaranteed contract the next two years. It's like half guaranteed for next season, then it's completely non-guaranteed the year after. So maybe they have some intentions to to move on from Chris Paul at some point. Like the Suns know more than we know. Uh, I just like all of these, all of these factors and variables are, are on my mind right now with the intentions behind that offer. Cause that's a lot. CP3 playing, you know, he's been much better lately. Jay Crowder and a first round draft pick. I mean, I think if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm going, ah, man. You I know, disagree. I know uh, I like I, Dorian Finney Smith, but I, I like Finney Smith more than I like Crowder. And I think Chris, like Chris, Paul, Chris Paul doesn't really shoot off the catch though. Like Chris Paul, like shoots like one three pointer off the catch a game. Dinwiddie's a better, more willing shooter off the catch. 
you know, more active cutter. I just feel like Come Dinwiddie. Come on, bro. If no, I'm Dan, trying to Dan make Whitty, a long run in the playoffs. Not, Dinwiddie, I know, but Dinwiddie's a, a better fit for their system and the way they play. Stop. He's better for the Jock Vaughn offense. Stop. If I'm trying to okay. make a deep run in the playoffs, I'd rather have Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. Yeah, what, what is Chris Paul Dorian Finney-Smith? What is Spencer Dinwiddie? And, Chris Paul on. gets hurt every damn year, and, he, and you have to change the way your offense plays to accommodate him more so than with Dinwiddie. Okay, well, we'll see. Let's see if uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are leading you to victory. And, and also, by the way, Chris, like... And don't Chris, give me they weigh the finals because they were innocent bystanders Chris, to Lucas. <laughs> and Chris, like I said, like also they got three picks in the deal from Dallas. I got it. Two good seconds potentially because those are years Luca is not under contract and one first round pick in the year that Luca is still not under contract. Whereas with the fun, with the Suns deal, they only offered one first. And the Brooklyn Nets aren't done yet this week. We're going to see what they do the rest of this week. The only thing that could blow up all of their plans is if Kevin Durant says, I want out. If that happens, then obviously things change. But they got more draft capital in the deal as well instead of a 38-year-old point guard almost. Well, and the craziest thing to me, you you reported on the Siakam thing with Brooklyn. There's the Van Vliet report out there. And then I saw another one on Ananobi that they were like, I'm like, what, what is going on here? Like Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Toronto. And it and I know Woj reported like all things are going through Toronto right now. And so who knows? I don't, I don't know what to make of that, where is Toronto going to swing everything? Because there's Van Vliet news, there is Siakam news, there is OG Ananobi news, and you know all three of those names were mentioned in conjunction with the Brooklyn Nets, and Lord knows who else, because it seems like uh, the league, according to reports, is all calling Toronto. And so we'll see what kind of cards uh, Masai ends up playing with this. What, what would your best guess be? Those three guys, how many of the three are still wearing a Raptor uniform by Friday? I'll say one. Siakam. Oh, wow. I think Siakam it would be the most likely one to be wearing a Raptors uniform still on Friday. I just think that the man for OG and Anobi could be so high at this point. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in all of basketball, like we've been talking about for a month. You know, ever since we argued about why the Grizzlies should go after him, OG Ananobi could offer so much to a team with championship intentions. Uh, I just think somebody's going to come out over the top with an offer that the Raptors have to say yes to. And the contract thing with Van Vliet. Yeah, I mean, Van Vliet being a free agent uh, this coming offseason makes it probably a little tougher for Toronto to get the type of return that they'd want. But that's also why you would be doing it rather than lose him, in, lose him for absolutely nothing this offseason when he could walk to a team with cap space. All right, so we got to get to the other discussion. We talked a lot about this massive trade that took place and how it kind of affects everything. Um, but before we move on completely from what happened with Dallas and, and Brooklyn and Brooklyn now talking and improving their roster or whatever else, we've got to talk about the other shrapnel from this, which is that the Lakers did not get Kyrie Irving. Evidently did not even talk to them towards the end of the weekend when this was taking place. And we waited for the LeBron tweet. We said, maybe it's me. You made an emo LeBron album cover. <laughs> and that was a pretty good tweet, huh? It was great. He said it was disappointing. <laughs> and then uh, I get, 
he had Michael Wilbon sitting in front of him by this morning <laughs> to tell him. Yo, when I saw that How disappointing it was. I saw that clip of LeBron talking, and then they cut to Wilbon. I was like, what? Why is Wilbon at LeBron's house this morning doing an interview? Maybe he just spent the night the night before. <laughs> a little sleepover? And they just, yeah. And then they just went downstairs, <laughs> ate some breakfast, and set up the cameras. He's got a bunch of equipment now, you know, because oh, of the undefeated, right? So yeah, yeah, they probably he, got the uh, whole set up there. He said, "All right, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to do it." How many how many takes do you think they did on the uh, disappointing? I mean, nah, I think I think that was a raw, authentic take, and I actually kind of liked LeBron's answer. He, Bro, they know, really did an interview. I know it's absurd for him to talk about not getting Kyrie Irving. Well, is, like, is there this more a thing to the that happened? No, but is there more to the interview? Like the, the other stuff? Here, Nobody least, cares. I know, Nobody I know, cares. but I'm just saying that's the only thing that I saw from it. Oh, I don't know no, there's probably cl- no, I'm sure it's about the breaking Kareem's record and all that bullcrap, too. Sure, yeah. But all anybody wanted to hear about was the Kyrie Irving thing. On ESPN's YouTube, there's a 13 minute uh, exclusive. LeBron on stars aligning on cusp of breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's Yeah, 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 you figured that's what it was about. But they had to ask him about the Kyrie thing, and that's all anybody cared about. Nobody cares about you talking about breaking Kareem's record. Yeah, the the subheads for the the YouTube chapters, LeBron's respect for Kareem, nearing Kareem's record for most points in NBA history, breaking the record with the Lakers, passing Magic Johnson and Kareem's records, not stressing of chasing the record, Lakers can make a run at the title, question mark. LeBron is trying to push the limits with his career. Yeah, you're right. Of all of those, nobody cares about the Kareem one. <laughs> the first four chapters, people were skipping to, could Lakers make a, a title run? Which is probably where he had the answer about uh, about not getting any of his preferred targets this year. Kyrie yeah. So you think, uh, you think now they're just not going to, like that Kyrie was... The one and that Rob Polinka is just going to try to function as a real organization that keeps current goals and future goals in mind? Or do you think that they are going to, you know, try to make the splash, try to build this thing out around LeBron and AD? Um, I don't know if you've heard, but you you have to call him 38-year-old LeBron James now. <laughs> That's his new name. He's 38-year-old LeBron James, as to remind you, yes, that he is absolutely incredible at age 38, but also time is ticking, Kevin. So 38, you know, you got to build out around a 38-year-old LeBron James. Uh, I guess the big question is, how can they do it? Because, you know, they could have gotten, they didn't have enough to get Kyrie Irving. They didn't, the Nets didn't want their deal. The idea that the Nets could have gotten better deals, more of what they wanted from a litany of people for Kyrie Irving is wild to me. Again, we had a discussion on this show of whether or not we are going to see him play again because he had offended the universe and showed no contrition. Like he was like on the cusp of cancel cancellation. And the Lakers still don't have anything they can trade for the guy. Well, didn't Shams report that they that the Nets would have done the deal if they if they offered Austin Reeves and Max Christie? Oh, that and, is and and the pick swap. 
in 2028, in addition to the two first rounders in 27 and 29, that they wanted everything <laughs> from the Lakers in order to do the deal. No offense to those guys. There's absolutely no way you let Austin Reeves and Max Christie get in the way of this. Well, Max Christie's pretty good. Okay. I, I like I like Max Christie. We did this with THT. I, I know, but like I like I like Max Christie. I, that's I'm fine. Just saying, I'm just saying I like Max Christie. You're just not. That's not a deal breaker for Kyrie Irving. I mean, what about all the concerns we just listed about Kyrie? What if What if the Lakers have something else that they feel like is better by the end of this week? They might. Where it, where it allows them to get a quality player and retain their three first round draft picks this coming summer. Those poor Laker fans, I felt bad for them. The week's I really not did. done yet. All I'm saying is the week's not done yet. That's no, all. no, no. But I felt bad for them because they had gone all in on convincing themselves on the Kyrie thing. And then they have to convince themselves that they didn't need it. But then they got LeBron going with Will Bond saying they're disappointed. So am I supposed to be disappointed? Yeah. Or am I supposed to feel like we dodged a bullet? You're or? supposed to be disappointed. That's that's the way you should feel. You're disappointed. You missed on Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Miles Turner goes on to have a career best season with the Pacers, inks and extension. Buddy yeah. Heald's having a career best efficiency season, shooting the heck out of the ball. You miss on that. Then you have an opportunity at Kyrie Irving, a guy who LeBron himself said he has great chemistry with. They've proven to work well together. You miss on that. So yes, there should be a level of disappointment, but the week isn't done yet. Like say, save like the the major tiers for Thursday night, but like let's see if there's anything that they can do that makes sense to do before Thursday, because there's still possibilities out there. Three way deal configurations, um, like even aside from the obvious like Boyan Bogdanovich type of moves, I wonder what could be out there for them to to keep their picks, which is which is their intention. That's what they've wanted to do is they to make improvements without giving up those picks because I want the three picks this summer to make improvements. So whether that works out or not, I'd bet probably not. Um, but I, let's see what they try to work out the rest of this week. Do you think Russ has any value now? Hell no. I mean, we just did it with the Kyrie thing. He has value as an expiring contract, Chris. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's all. Well, he is, he is that. It's a massive one. A $47 million expiring deal. A massive one. You need money off your books. There's your guy. <laughs> You know, I mean, he like, I mean, the thing is, is, like, Russ has no value, but it's not like he has negative value like Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has negative value because yeah. he has so many years left on his contract and he stinks. Russell Westbrook is is just a zero value because he's an expiring. Mm-hmm. That's all. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. 
and you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. A couple of names that have been thrown out there. These are some names I, I, I like that I'm interested in. Luke Kennard. I've mentioned him on the pod before. Kevin Love. Kevin Love's like out of the mix with Cleveland now. Yeah. And I kind of liked, uh, you know, I kind of liked what Kevin Love had brought to the table for Cleveland. Yeah, but just falling off. I mean, out of the mix. You I know? Mean, Bill, Bill Simmons mentioned Kevin Love as like a guy Cleveland should try to trade last week. And I argued against it. Just saying, ah, I mean, he's a locker room guy. He fits with their bigs. Yeah. Part of the culture there. Can knock down open shots. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kevin Love's worth worth, worth keeping around unless there's a unless there's an actual upgrade worth. Doing. There's a couple of these guys that I do think could help teams. I, I think that I don't know about Love as much as he's Kennard not helping can help. anybody. Kennard can though, and Josh yeah, Hart can. can. Josh yep. Hart could help teams. Yeah, I mean, if he starts shooting the ball again, he forgot how to shoot. He just doesn't. It's Wonder if weird. he has the yip, does he have the yips or something? I don't, I don't know, know what's going on. I don't know, but he doesn't shoot threes like at all. No. I mean, may- maybe he's got like the John Collins effed up thumb issue. Oh, no. I mean, he goes from last year in Portland. I just pulled up his numbers. In 13 games with the Blazers last year, he shot 6.4 three-pointers per game and made 37% of them. He's down to 2.2 attempts per game this year with the Blazers at 29.6%. And in his career prior to the season, for what it's worth, he was at 4.2 attempts from three per game. So like he, it's like ha- he's pretty much halved his they got amount it, of well, threes per game. His rebound, he's obviously a great rebounder. For yeah, a really good rebounder, for sure. yeah. And, he, and, and he, he's and a it, good, tough, tone-setting defender and all that. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess it's just got Grant, got Simons, got Lillard, got, you know what I mean? Dude, it's but, like, but the ball stopping, like when he catches that ball behind the arc and he doesn't shoot off the catch and he just record scratches the offense, it is so annoying watching Blazers games. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, well, he ain't gonna figure it out there. He's going somewhere else, evidently, by Thursday. But I do think there's some good players, is what I'm saying, that are out there that are seemingly a lot in the news as to find a new home. All those jazz guys too, Vanderbilt, Conley, even on a Linux could easily be moved. Yeah. Easily can help easily teams for sure. Ton, ton of good players. Miami has two different reports that are out. One, which is really weird, saying that. They're going to take a run at Brad Beal in the offseason. It's like, all right, can we do the trade deadline first? (laughs) (laughs) But the trade deadline one, and Greg uh, Sylvander, who covers the Heat, said that that they're very motivated to find a new home for Kyle Lowry. But time's come. They're going to find a home for Kyle Lowry. And you and I talked about a couple different scenarios with Lowry, like some of these teams that need a vet voice maybe just to get into the offense. You and I talked about um, Minnesota at, at one time as possibly a good place, you know, kind of, you know, with with Edwards, a guy that Edwards would really respect. But, I mean, Russell has played so much better. But, and, and we talked about Russell maybe in Miami and Lowry maybe in Minnesota. But, I mean, I do think for this swan song of Lowry, his impact is going to be much greater off the court, and as a veteran pro who can also give you some minutes and play, you know, solidly, um, more so than somebody that you're really counting on. How about every the Clippers? Single night. It's a possibility. 
Clippers Again, make some sense. Can, can yeah. they could offer like a well, obviously far less than they did for Kyrie Irving, but they could offer some of those similar salaries. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't think that I don't think Kyle Lowry will be completely without suitors, and I know he has not been as good, but I mean, I'm saying guys like that that can set a tone, that can show guys the ropes, that can be that voice. There's a lot of teams in need of a voice. And make no mistake, people, he 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 commands respect in any locker room, in any locker room. And sometimes what those guys can bring to the table, it's more profound than what they actually bring to the court. Like canard, wall, something like that along those lines, and one more piece. That'd be kind of mutually beneficial for both teams. Possibly. I mean, Kennard maybe, is I, one. Maybe, I don't know. Kennard's, I don't, one, Kennard's one that I thought about with... Uh, with Cleveland. How many times have we talked about that? That would be deadly. Deadly. When we talked about a three that could just reliably knock down threes, you just get so many open ones that Garland and Mitchell create. And then you've got those two big guys behind you to kind of make up for a, a defensive deficiency. Or you can swap out and go defense with a Coro or whoever you got that you want to try to do offense defense with. I think that would be a really good fit for him. Honestly, a good fit for them. If they're looking for a just a knockdown shooter, that's what that guy is. That guy is a knockdown shooter and there'll be a place for him. You know, isn't it strange how Kernard just hasn't been able to work out for the Clippers cuz doesn't that feel like on paper is such a great fit next to Kawhi yes. Leonard and Paul George? When his numbers are typically really good in terms of impact. And also, like, you could talk about his defense, but it's not like Reggie Jackson's out there as a defensive stopper. He's getting right. blown by as well. Yeah. Just has not, has not found a way. Um, you know, another guy that's a knockdown shooter that we've talked about many times that whose name's kind of fallen off there with, like, and I don't know if it's for leverage sake or what, but. That Bogdanovich name was hot and heavy for a long time, and then it just kind of fizzled out. Um, and it was like, well, Pistons may just hold on to him after all. Uh, you heard anything on this? With Boyan Bogdanovich, it's been pretty quiet. The only name that I've heard is the Bucks that they've mm. had interest in Boyan Bogdanovich. Obviously, it's been well-reported that they've made offers for to Phoenix for Jay Crowder. Um, I've heard Boyan Bogdanovich is a guy on their radar as well. And granted, that'd be a tougher deal for them to make salary-wise because um, Boyan Bogdanovich's number is at $19 million. They require Grayson Allen plus two other players to make it work. That's just something that I've been hearing in recent days. Boyan Bogdanovich is a target for the Bucks in addition to Jay Crowder. They can make up for the other Bogdanovich screw-up. Mm, yeah. We they might get, have both Bogdanoviches yeah, in get, play. They get, they if, if, Landry Field, if Landry Fields gets spicy in Atlanta, <laughs> he may move around. We may have both Bogdanoviches moving around. If, if you were the Bucks, would you deal Grayson Allen, Joe Ingles, and like Noara plus a future pick for Bogdanovich? Are you being serious? I'm asking the question. Yes, bro. yes. Okay, would you, would you would you do that with you know multiple second round draft picks, multiple second rounders on top of a first? I'm just asking the question. That's all. Yes. Okay. All right. And, and I I think for the Detroit side of things, 
They've talked a lot about how Bogdanovich is someone that they are open to keeping. They like his contract. They yes. like to fit with their young guys. But if you're Detroit, would you trade him for that? Or do you think you can do better if you're the Pistons? I think I could probably do better than that. Okay, I, those, I, I agree. Yeah, because I, I mean, that I, Bucks team is going to be awesome, and that team—I mean, those picks are going to suck. I mean, and, they're and picks, I, but they're, and I think, and I think there's a there's a strong possibility they end up do doing better there. I think they could. I, I think there's multiple teams, you know, that could end up offering a first round pick for Bogdanovich, whether it's protected or a distant future pick. You know. I think they can do better than what the Bucks can offer, but we'll see what ends up happening by Thursday. The Pistons, like I, I get them keeping Bogdanovich. Yes, he's old, but they want to win next year, and whether that's the right decision or not, they want to win with Cade. They want, they want to try to compete. And Bogdanovich is a fit next to all their young guys, Jaden Ivy, Killian. I mean, your guy Marvin Bagley. He spaces the floor for any type of big, right? Like that's what he provides. I, I think he's a good fit for their young guys. He just doesn't fit the timeline of when they're going to be I ready know. to win. I know, and and, that, and that's why I, I, I think I, he's much more valuable as an asset than a player. I totally agree with you, Chris. Just build out too. with your young guys, but but you it's, got it's Cade, a matter of what they get. Durin, you got K. Duran, Ivy. You're figuring out what you want to make this core to be. Um, this, this could be this could be trading him at maximum value. Because you know he's not going to be part of your future. If 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 the Pistons ever become a winning team where they're like, we're on the cusp, we get That's a right. chance, there will be a moment where Boyan Bogdanovich is blocking a young player from getting 30 minutes per game. And at that point, Pistons fans are going to go from loving this, you know, older vet sticking around in Detroit, signing a deal to kind of growing resentful of him. There will come that moment. Now, so, by the time they're ready to win big... When those guys are 24 and 25 years old, it's not even going to be in the league. Sure. I mean, that's always a possibility, <laughs> I mean, too. He might just I mean, walk in free agency in three years to, uh, to get a veteran contract somewhere and compete. I mean, because that's when you're ready to win. That's why most of these guys win when they're 26, 27. Veteran teams win. All, all, I'm not, when, I say, when I say on the cusp, I, I don't mean like of a championship. I'm saying of like feeling like, oh, we got something here. We got something really good. And then you get this guy who's 35 blocking minutes for your young up and coming forward. That, that's when kind of resentment can grow of like saying, we need to move this guy. And at that point, you're just going to get a second round pick and some change. Now you could actually get a protected first round pick. Who knows what could happen in 2028 or 2029, whatever year that future pick is. No, big time asset. And that team is, you know, they get Cade back and they got Cade and they got Ivy and they got Durin and they got, you know, some assets. Yeah, then they got they got they, good pieces. They could be young and fun and everybody could fall in love with them. And then you win a bunch and everybody starts hating your guts. Yeah, I got Killian Hayes. I know seven, it. Seven, 17 points tonight against the Celtics. <laughs> hey, comeback I've, performance. Hey, I've I've seen it. You're the young, fun team that everybody loves. And next thing you know, you got bad news all the time. <laughs> Here, I know everybody's going to want me to comment on this. Let me just say. What's we, that, Chris? What's the, the story? The athletic story hmm. that was put out about John Morant and his associates after the Pacers game. Pointing about, a laser or something like yeah, that? A yeah, a gun. With the, this, is what the, this is what the headline told you, right? That maybe this happened. Uh, but look... It, it, for the people that don't have a subscription to The Athletic, they can't read the article, so the only thing that matters is the headline. And oh man, was it a salacious headline. So for those that don't know, John Morant's buddy got into a yelling match with some Pacers players during the game. Okay? 
Then they all start getting aggressive. I'll beat your ass. I'll beat your ass. Uh, Devonte is his name. And he's escorted out of the arena. So he's gone, right? He's gone. So let me just explain because the, 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 like, for, I'm going to imagine most people didn't read the article. So what the article says is that now they're down where the, 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 the Pacers bus is going to leave and that Morant's buddies are out there and they start yelling back and forth with the Pacer players who are getting on the bus. So for, and, and that's where the players part. So this isn't like out of the ordinary. It just the terrible timing that they're out there about to leave with Moran and these guys are walking to the bus. So now they're all barking at each other, right? So they're all barking. Then they get in the car, Pacers get in the bus. And then there's these anonymous sources that say a laser, which they believe could have been attached to a gun, was pointed at several different people. And there's a quote in there. One one guy said he believed they were in grave danger. Okay, now you and I texted about this yesterday because I was I was heading down to the arena when this happened. And as I'm reading the article, it says that the car did a 180 to get near the bus. Like it's the the way the player's garage is. It's the only way you can get out of the garage. So you would never go out of your way to drive by a bus. And the other thing is this. The idea that somebody pointed a gun and nobody called the police, nobody called, they called the athletic. They didn't call the police. They called the athletic to tell them that this happened. And that, and for those that don't understand the way this would be, a player's garage is underneath the arena, right? I've been, I've been in there a million times. Um, it's where a TV truck is. Okay. So all kinds of people that are out there, all kinds, okay? Also, because it's a player's garage, there are a billion, not a million, a billion cameras. There is not a square inch of that place that is not on camera, not a square inch. Because these guys have Rolls Royce Wraiths, they got Bentleys, they got everything. I mean, it's where they park. You can't get more secure than a damn player's garage. And that's where the bus comes down to. And that's where they were walking out to the loading dock to get on the bus. And then evidently his buddies are out there. And then they start barking. And then this story comes up. And so there's videos, I mean, of everything that could happen. And if you think the NBA investigated, it said they talked to several eyewitness accounts and they got the video, none of which Shows that you would see it. There's no way you wouldn't see it. And I have told them, I mean, you should release the video. I mean, it would look, the, it would make whoever, whoever in the traveling party of the Pacers is making up this story. And it's terrible for Morant to have his name in this. Now, look, can I just read said, the NBA statement real quick? Yeah, yeah. Just like Michael Bass was asked about, you know, the story by the athletic, and he said, NBA security and league investigators conducted an investigation interviewing numerous eyewitnesses and reviewing video surveillance following allegations made by the Indiana Pacers organization regarding a post-game incident. While we substantiated that a post-game situation arose that was confrontational, based on interviews and other evidence gathered, we could not corroborate that any individual threatened others with a weapon. Certain individuals involved in the post-game situation and a related matter during the game that night have subsequently been banned 
from attending games in the arena. If additional information becomes available related to the post-game situation, league office will conduct a further review. So the NBA did see the video. They reviewed it all. And it sounds like the um, Barant's friend, what's his name? Uh, Devontae Pack. Pack. Devontae Pack. They call him D-Pack. That D-Pack was banned from the arena. D-Pack's banned from the arena because of what went on during the game. Yeah. Because, you know, he's not Shannon Sharp. You know what I mean? So, Chris, do you, do you at all worry about some of the stuff with Ja? I mean, he's also being sued, you know, for allegedly punching someone last summer, a teenager. Yo, a, a pickup million game. percent I worry about it. So you do worry. What are you talking the, about? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, for goodness sakes, look, I've been around for 20-something years. I've been, I've been around all manner of players. I've seen all manner of players, family, friends, everybody else, right? And... You are known by the company you keep it. Right now, you are, you're not a superstar. You're a global superstar, bro. You have to move differently. You got to tighten this stuff up if you're Morant. You have to. You have to. Because it doesn't matter whether you're a part of it or not. It doesn't matter that there wasn't a gun involved in this and it's, it's goofy friends barking at the pacers. Like, that's what it was. There, you know what I mean? And in the first place, again, why are your friends yelling at the Pacers? What's the end game there? We're we gonna we're gonna be big men and we're gonna fight. You got two hundred million dollars. What are we doing? The the number bro, six go, selling jersey in twenty twenty two. Number you gotta, six. You, you can have any chick you want. You can have all the drinks you want. Go have fun. He's a signature shoe. The jaw what, one. What what is <laughs> the, 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 look? If your buddies. If your buddies are getting in fights and stuff, then find new buddies. Yeah, it's time uh, to cut them. You got to cut them out. Yes, because there's no more fighting. There's no reason to fight. There's no reason to be, you know, mad if you get disrespected. You got $200 million, bro. And look, I hate that it was reported the way it was because, of course, it throws his name into this thing and all anybody's going to talk about is a gun. Like, oh my God, do you think the friggin' NBA is going to let somebody pull a gun on one of their teams and not do anything about it? What the <laughs> no. is wrong with people? Yeah. Like, you really <laughs> think that somebody pulled a gun on the friggin' Indiana Pacers and put lasers on their heads and the NBA's like, oh, oh, oh couldn't. We we just couldn't see if it was true or not. Do like, do we know? Do we know if there was a, 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 red, a red laser though? You know, do we know that for no! a fact that there was a laser pointer, bro? <laughs> a laser pointer. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, what is also ridiculous is why are you being aggressive with freaking Andrew Nimhard and James Johnson in the Indian? Like, what are we doing here? There's no reason to be tough in this. There's no reason to be tough. It's a, and you, it, I hope, I hope it is a massive wake up call. I hope it's a massive wake up call. Is this affecting the Grizzlies, Chris? They, they have, no, they, they no. were 31 and 13 at one point. Now they're 32 and 21. What's affected the Grizzlies has been Steven Adams injury. Yeah, not, yeah, Adams, that loss is massive. He, no, he makes the whole yeah. offense go. Yeah, his screening, the rolling, the rebounding. Yes. yes. He he makes them the number one offensive rebounding team. They're not a good shooting team. And he has a profound impact on that team that we are now witnessing for the first time. And then you've got, like, yeah, you've got a mess. 
Dylan Brooks has been a mess and he hit Donovan Mitchell in the nuts. And, you know, things it, things go one way or another, especially <laughs> with young teams, man. They won 11 in a row and you can't be beat. You're riding high. You're kings of the hill. But sometimes it can go the other way. And you're in the valley. Yeah, they're, they've won only one of eight, one of nine after winning 11 in a row. Mm-hmm. Goes, and and I, look, I resent them to no end because I wanted so badly to be able to bust your ass about the Pelicans losing streak, and I couldn't because they wouldn't <laughs> win a game. It's terrible. And then we got all these stupid-ass headlines, and I, I got to tell you, though, the memes are hilarious. But to to the question of, uh, about Morant, yeah, somebody needs to get to him and explain to him, like, hey, man, you're gonna you're gonna mess up the money, you're gonna mess up a career, you know. If you like, these can't be the headlines. These can't be the headlines, because even if the headline is not fair and salacious, that can't be the focus. The focus has to be why are you in the headline in the first place, bro. Get your guys under. Like, come on. Come on. As soon as as soon as you see somebody barking, tell everybody stop. You know, and that's young and famous, man. Young and famous. And a lot very quickly. I do think that it's a little different for him than maybe some other guys. Because a lot of these guys are famous from the time they're like 15, 16. You know, where their head everything they do is headlines because they're Right, we make we make basketball players famous now, early age. Imani he's Bates, a late, he's a later one. Yeah, yeah. All these high school prospects, young, you know, ninth, tenth grade. That's right. You know what could fix the Grizzlies' problem? Trading three first round draft picks for OG and Anobi. Oh, for goodness' sakes, Kevin! I can't wait to see what the return for him is. I know. I'm really excited. I, I, I know you he, are. I hope he gets traded just to see. <laughs> I mean, Thursday night recording, Chris. It might it look if you're right about the Van Vliet and Siakam stuff, though. The return's bigger on them, so it may alter what the return is on him, mm. and they may not demand as much. If you're just moving one guy, you want a lot, but if you're getting a bunch of stuff back for the others, it may not be the same deal, right? Who knows? I know this: he wasn't playing the other night. They've sat him out the whole trip, and it was hilarious to see Nick Nurse. I don't know if you saw that sit down where they he had to explain about. I think they're saying a wrist injury or something, and they were like, "Were you surprised that he's been ruled out?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's ruled out, and he's ruled out for the whole trip, for the rest of the trip." And <laughs> like he didn't even like he didn't even try to BS. He was yeah. like, yeah, he's been ruled out for the rest of the trip. Like, I guess he has to, like, act like the guy's injured or something. Except he just refused to act like the guy was injured. And <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's kind of crazy <laughs> that he's ruled out for the rest of the trip. <laughs> so he was in he was in Memphis yesterday, uh, but he did not play in the game. Mm-mm. So they get to see him. Too bad. Maybe I'll get to see him full time. Maybe soon. Yeah. And then you'll be like, wow. Wow, Kevin. What a trade. I love OG. I really like our final chances, Kevin. Immediate title wow. contender. Oh, my God. Big no. I do think that uh, 
I didn't think he'd be a very good fit in Memphis. I think he, you know, he's one of those guys. Look, <laughs> a lot of those guys that we've talked about today, guys like OG Ananobi, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, guys like uh, Luke Kennard, guys like Josh Hart. Those guys, can, you put them on any team. You can put them on literally any team. There's a lot of guys that are dependent on fit. But when you're talking about some of these role player guys, those guys, you could plug and play. Any team could use them. So the market can sometimes be really good for them. And sometimes you can use a Dorian Finney-Smith and a Spencer Dinwiddie to get a Kyrie Irving in return, for goodness sakes. Which they did. Those are just role players. Mm -hmm. That's what they are. They're good ones. Good ones. And it does seem Brooklyn is going to heat things up a little bit more. Their name's out there a lot to be doing more stuff. So I, I thought it was interesting when you said earlier, let's just wait and see what their roster looks like yeah. Thursday. Yeah, let's see. And the Mavs, for that matter. Yeah, both of them. I know that the Mavs' odds did go down a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, they're now, I think they're 30 or 40 to 1, and now they're like 14 to 1. So... And the variable is still, I mean, if Kevin Durant said, you know what, eh, eh, I think I want to go somewhere else. That's still the variable that that looms. We've had Chris Haynes report how the Suns would be prepared to make a massive offer for Kevin Durant. We've had Stephen A. Smith say how the Celtics are making calls about Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant decided he wants out, which I do not expect as of Monday evening to happen, but if he were to decide he doesn't want to be there any longer, that's still the variable that could go against the Nets' desire to build a championship contender around him. And in fairness, Kevin, while we are saying that, hey, at least they got something back for Kyrie, that's all relative. If you're Kevin Durant, there's part of you that sits back and you go, now hold the damn phone. It was me, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. And now it's me, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Ben Simmons. The ghost of Ben Simmons. So, like, what happened here? <laughs> that, that doesn't sound as good, though, does it? No, <laughs> it's it not. doesn't. <laughs> no, not at all. In the, in the moment, you know, with what the those guys had destroyed their trade return so badly, you know, with Harden punting on and not even playing for Brooklyn and then Kyrie just being wildly unreliable that we got to the point where you know at one point you're playing with James Harden and Kyrie Irving and you look up and if you line up like what the return was for those guys it is it's that's brutal I think Kevin Durant should finish out the season, though. I, I think KD should give it a chance the rest of this year. And if he wins the championship, it'll go down as KD going, doing it by himself, on his own, leading this dysfunctional Nets team to a title, if he's able to accomplish that. And if he enters the summer and then decides he wants to move on, that's a better time to look for a trade. But right now, if I were KD, I'd continue on and try to win a title with them. I cannot wait for the trade deadline. It's going to be on Thursday. By Thursday night, you and I will uh, convene. And we can go through all of the different trades that have taken place uh, and what what teams are going to look like going forward for the rest of the stretch run. I can't wait. Let's go. Hope we get yeah. a really fun week. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I'll talk to you on Thursday. Have a fun week, everybody. 